the Free Speaking Podcast with your hosts, Jared Mintz and Joseph Murdo. Welcome back to the Relatively Speaking Podcast. We are recording on Friday morning. It is February 3rd. We are in a new month. I feel much better than I did earlier this week. And I am your co-host, Jared Mintz. Joining me today and every other day that we record this terrific podcast is my partner, Joseph Nardone. Joe, how are you feeling today? Good. I'm actually staring out my window. I get a nice view of the mountains out my window. Uh, it's a nice sunny day here in, in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. So things are looking looking pretty solid right now. You really have like a mountain view from your window? I have I, no idea what it's like by you. So I, I well, just, like, it's, it's weird. So like Wilkes-Barre is considered a city. I mean, you could Google it. It's not a great city. Um, per capita, worst heroin overdoses in the country. All right. I, I always vote as one of the worst places for murder and crime and stuff. But we do have a mountain view because we're kind of in between mountains. We're in, like, the valley area, I guess you could call it. And, I was uh, wondering, yeah, I was wondering how you were going to bring that full circle there. But, uh, well, I'm like, I, I tell you that I talk about this. I'm really passionate about where I live. Um, there's Wilkes-Barre and there's Scranton. The two cities are both in a really bad state, and but they're really close together in all the neighboring towns. And uh, I always dislike that we're always, whenever we are in the news, it's always for really bad things outside of Jerry McNamara. That, that always put us in good things. But uh, it's actually really scenic here. Sounds nice. I will have to get on uh, it, Google. You just have to get all past all the horrible stuff. It's really scenic. Like, like, awesome. like Scranton has, like, it's not intentional, but it has a very gothic steampunk style. I don't even know what that means. It's like a, like the architecture of build. It looks very old school, and it's it's actually like it's not on purpose because because it's because we don't have money, but it's it looks really pretty. Even gothic though, steampunk. Gothic steampunk sounds like a genre of music. So I had no idea what you're even talking about there. I guess I'm not cultured enough. I could just be misusing it as well, <laughs> which is which is 99% more likely than... <coughs> Excuse me, there is that cough again. All right, good stuff. Well, I'm glad you gave me a little lesson about where you're from and, uh, you know, all the other good things that accompany it. Enjoy your mountains. I'm, I'm envious. I don't have mountains. I have forests, I guess. The... I live in a town I live in a town called Forest Hills. We don't really have forests here. It's all big buildings and, and stores and subways and stuff, so I don't know why. I don't get it. The sun sets over my mountain, my mountain, like as I, I own it. So I have a Found deck. Joe. I have a deck, and when I go outside, like I go outside to smoke, but I, I can see the sun set every night, and it's it's nine most of the time. It's super beautiful. You should post it on Instagram or something. I don't have an Insta face. If you had an Instagram, what would you post like the most pictures of? Uh, empty cans of Coca Cola Classic. I don't know. I, what do people post on Instagram? I don't even know like what they do. Uh, I'm scrolling through my Instagram right now. It's a picture of Kristaps Porzingis dunking. <laughs> uh, Barack Obama, have you seen this man missing? A bakery. All right, this is bad radio, so let's stop talking about that. Instead, we got a lot to get into today. No, more, no more sunset over the mountain hot takes? I mean, I enjoy it. I don't know that our listenership does, but uh, if you do, put it on the poll. Do you enjoy our conversations about sunsets, mountains, and forests, and heroin? All right. <laughs> oh. So we got we got a lot to get into today. Obviously, we are two days away from Super Bowl 51. This time around, we know what number the Super Bowl is, so we got that coming up. Uh, we got some other fun news regarding the NFL and some not-as-fun news regarding the NBA, which we'll get into in our That Don't Look Good segment. Got some food-related AMAs to get into later. 
But again, obviously the big story today and over the next couple of days and really over the last couple of weeks, I guess, if you're paying attention to sports, has been Super Bowl 51. We got the Atlanta Falcons, who were the best offense in the NFL this season in terms of points scored per game, going up against the New England Patriots, who many people probably don't realize were the top defense in the NFL in terms of points allowed per game. I certainly didn't realize that when we started talking about this two weeks ago. Well, they also play trash teams on off that trash offensive teams. You play who you play. You know, you could say they play trash teams. They also score a ton of points. So their games, I don't want to say turn into shootouts. Obviously, they don't. But there's a lot of garbage times in games that the Patriots play. So I'm not going to take away from the fact that they had a relatively stingy defense in terms of points allowed just because they play the Jets twice a year and the Dolphins. and the. I mean, the Dolphins' offense was solid this year. And the Bills, but let, let's not and trash the backup Patriots. quarterback, Sam. Yeah, yeah, that too. Uh, I mean, well, let, it's important context. Like, you can't be like, yeah, they have uh, the number one ranked defense, and then be like, oh, but they also played horrible offensive teams, which helps well, Joe, explain. Joe, if you want to do that, I mean, you could say the Falcons played the Saints twice, and they played the Panthers twice, and, you know, the Bucks' defense was solid, but I know they had a big scoring game against them. I mean, it kind of works both ways. I don't think it's necessarily fair to do that. To the Patriots, but oh, I'm only, sorry, I wasn't trying to big only Patriots stick up for one. There. Yeah, apparently, geez, I wasn't just trying to make a point. I wasn't trying to, you know, put down those yeah. New England Patriots. You, well, you are so, Joe. Tell Their me why defense you hate the is huge. Tell me why you hate the Patriots. Come on, you didn't even do a DJT thing to start the show. Today. I'm actually so going for the Patriots on Sunday. You're rooting for them? Yeah, I want. I want Tom Brady to win another Super Bowl. Explain. Well, multiple reasons. One, I want to see Roger Goodell hand over the trophy to Robert Kraft and Tom Brady. Two, I hate that we've crowned other dudes as the best quarterbacks ever. And, like, Tom Brady's just been, like, great forever. Like, I'm not saying he is the best, but, like, he's not, like, how is he not, like, in the conversation? Like, how is Aaron Rodgers already the best quarterback ever? You don't you don't think Tom Brady's in this conversation? Not enough. I think, I for me personally, like, power-ranking quarterbacks... It's John Elway, it's Tom Brady, it's and that's it. That's my list. I know people like Aaron Rodgers, Joe Montana, Peyton Manning. For me, it's John Elway and Tom Brady. And I, if Tom Brady gets, what would this be, his fifth Super Bowl? This would be his fifth Super Bowl. Yeah, so I mean, like, that would kind of help, you know, alleviate my, my issues with people who don't give Tom Brady enough credit. Considering he played with receivers like David Patton, and what's the guy that played cornerback, even though he was a receiver for a while? Ty Tro- Ra- Troy Brown. Troy, Troy Brown. Brown. Yeah, like he played with garbage receivers, and then whenever he had good players, he put up super gaudy numbers. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's one of the things that, that holds Brady back in this conversation, I suppose. Uh, I think it was Chris Towers, who's a fantasy analyst at CBS, was posting comparable stats. And through age 28, I believe it was, Tom Brady and Ryan Tannehill have, like, identical stat lines to each other. So I think that kind of comes into the conversation in terms of people not wanting to put Brady along the likes of, you know, Peyton Manning, who I don't want to say was a stat patter, but his stats are just off the charts ridiculous. I mean, he has every quarterback record of all time, pretty much. So it's it's kind of hard when you when you put it that way. But, of course, there is different emphasis for, for different people on what's important. And obviously, winning really is amongst the most important things, especially for quarterbacks. I mean, you look at Eli Manning. I, I tweeted this yesterday. The Giants and the Jets have the same amount of playoff wins since 2009, even 2008. But Eli Manning is a Super Bowl quarterback or, or a Hall of Fame quarterback, and it's because he's won two Super Bowls, and he's been fantastic in the playoffs. And these are the types of things that matter. And when you're Tom Brady and you've gotten there seven times, I mean, he's been fantastic in the playoffs. It's not like 
He's a guy that, that comes out and lays eggs in the playoffs. He's big. He's prime time. And you can expect him to have another huge game on Sunday. So are you, are you gunning for Brady to win Super Bowl MVP too then, Joe? I don't care if he does. Like, real quick on what we were talking about. Like, down the two first Super Bowls they won, they had really good defenses, New England, and a pretty solid running game. And then after that, it became Tom Brady's team. And he's gone deep in the playoffs to the Super Bowl a bunch of times with, like, pretty – like, like if these were not with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, they're pretty bad rosters. Uh, for the most part, like, like somebody made the point that their offensive line, like they've tried to draft offensive linemen, they all turn out to stink, and they just have like random guys plugged in all the time. And uh, I mean, like, let's be honest, like right now they have Chris Hogan, who was not a very good player anywhere else in his career, being a good player for them. Like that's not because Chris Hogan's. I'm not saying he's bad, but I'm just saying like it's not because he's great. It's because Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and that offense helps him become that. You know what I mean? But um. Offensive MVP, I would like to see it to be Tom Brady. Um, but you know how the Super Bowl works. There's always a weird thing that, like, somebody bubbles up, like like Chris Hogan, or it could, for uh, Atlanta, it could be like that uh, Gabriel Jackson. Is that his name, the receiver? No, it's Taylor Gabriel. Taylor Gabriel. Who's Gabriel Jackson? Um, let's go. Probably a college basketball player. Probably. But, like, it's, it's usually somebody like that who, who uh, bubbles up. Yeah, that, that's a fair point. It, I understand. Like, it's, we try to think it's the um, the uh, like the name brand guys, but a lot of times it's not. Right. Wait, there is a Gabriel Jackson football player. He is a offensive guard. Excellent for yeah, the Raiders. Nice. I get the point you're making about Brady, and I don't think it's inaccurate. I also think you know a lot of that's Belichick, where Belichick kind of just gets these guys that weren't able to have success on other teams, and they're. They're studs with the Patriots, and you see him do it on both sides of the ball. I'm not saying that to take anything away from Tom Brady, but even a guy like LeGarrette Blunt, who, you know, I, somebody was making the case the other day about LeGarrette Blunt and Le'Veon Bell both being on the Steelers a couple years ago. They get busted uh, smoking weed in the car or whatever. LeGarrette Blunt gets cut, and uh, the point they were making is LeGarrette, LeGarrette Blunt's been a model citizen since. He gets in no trouble. He's great with Belichick, and Le'Veon Bell still has stuff coming up and personality issues. I don't know that that's the right point to make with a guy like LeGarrette Blunt, who has a history of sucker punching, you know, another football player on the field and other things where where he's maybe not like the greatest guy. I'm not using this to say he's not a good person. Well, not only that, like Bill Belichick has coached a, a serial killer, so we don't have to like pretend he like turns people into great people. Right, he doesn't turn boys into men, but he does turn less than excellent football players into. Super Bowl contending football players, and he does it on both sides of the football. Again, I wasn't really making that case to take away from Brady. You're 100% right. He does turn guys into, you know, just weapons that they, they weren't before. You look at Chris Hogan. You look at guys like even Deion Lewis and James White, who were real receiving weapons for that team out of the backfield. I love Deion Lewis. That's my sneaky Super Bowl pick. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad pick. The guy had three touchdowns just a few weeks ago, so he, he could be solid for them. We're focusing a lot on the Patriots, though, Joe. How come you're not talking about the Falcons? Do you have no confidence that they'll be able to stay in this game? Do you think they have no shot at winning? I mean, what what's your deal with the Falcons leading into this game? I think, no, I think they have a shot. They're, like we mentioned, their, their offense is absurd, and they have Julio Jones and Matt Ryan, and I think it's a matter of, I think we're going to find out, like we talked about New England's defense, how good it actually is, because I don't think there's actually stopping Atlanta's offense. Um, I think it's going to come down to which like as much we're gonna all focus on Matt Ryan and Tom Brady and the receivers and because they're the fun parts and they're gonna be fun on Sunday. Um, but it's probably gonna be which defense is able to 
bend but not break the most amount of times. Yeah, yeah if that, that makes sense. I, I think I think it's pretty simple. I think I expect it. I do. I expect it to be like a super. Like, not like I don't expect it to be like fifty-five, forty-eight, but like I expect it to be a high-scoring game. And I think it's just going to be basically: is there going to be turnovers? Where does the ball bounce? Like, I think a lot of luck's going to play in this game, and then uh, uh, one interception could change the game. And then what defense is able to make a play? Right now, this is really two of the most uh, accurate quarterbacks in football, and two of the you know least mistake-prone guys in the NFL in terms of Matt Ryan and Tom Brady. You mentioned Julio Jones being the big weapon for the Falcons, and obviously that's true. But really, again, you know, this team's just had such a balanced attack. You look at their running backs, Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman combined for almost 20 touchdowns this season, both running the ball and as receivers. They just There, there are so many weapons here, and I just think both offenses, I don't think they're going to take the big chances as much as they're going to, you know, kind of go for... Easily completable passes and and no brainer plays. I mean, obviously that that sounds like you know, duh. Of course they're going to do that. Of course they're they're not going to take big chances and they're they're going to play safe and they're going to go for the guaranteed yards and do whatever they can to avoid turning the ball over. I just think I think the Falcons are in a really good place here, having again such a well balanced attack and having a good pass rush. I really think the key to beating the Patriots is going to be less about putting up you know a hundred points and more about making Tom Brady feel uncomfortable. I feel like that's really the only way the Patriots ever lose in the playoffs is when they get guys on Brady. And obviously the big question is going to be, you know, can Vic Beasley get, get to Tom Brady? And, and can some of these Falcons guys, you know, get past the, the New England Patriots offensive line, which, you know, you mentioned not, not a bunch of stout guys. They do their job well. It's just it's going to come down to the Lions, obviously, not to sound, you know, like, like your Teddy Bruschi or your Mark Schlereth or one of these guys that ignores all the big name players and says it all happens on the line. But it's really about Brady and how he's able to stay up because I think the Falcons' offense is going to be able to put up their points. It's just a matter of if they're going to be able to get stops in this game. And I'm not necessarily confident that they're they're going to be able to do that. So, you know, I know you're not a big fan of doing the predictions, but since this is the last NFL game of the season and the last time we're we're going to be talking about football, Joe, let's have it. Let's get some predictions up. Sure. First, did you know Nazi Muhammad's still in the NBA? Yes, I did know Nazi Muhammad's in the NBA. Do people? Do you think young people even realize that he was once pretty good? No, okay. he's he's probably close to about a Herb Williams for our childhood to to these people. <laughs> That's a good point. Or even a Tree Rollins at the end of Tree Rollins. Um, uh, foot prediction. Uh, I'm gonna go football. football. Uh, I will go forty-two to thirty-eight, New England. 42 to 38. Wow. And you just said it's not going to be like a 55-48 instead. Well, I do think it's going to be really high scoring, and I probably went far too high with that. But uh, whatever, man. I'm betting with house money here. Sounds good. As in not betting at all. Yeah, I mean, I I got some Super Bowl boxes going, but that's about it. Oh, guys, everybody vote the under on the anthem. That guy can't sing. Who is it? It's Luke Bryan, right? Mm Mm-hmm. He can't sing. I mean, that's that's kind of harsh. No, no. Like, he's he's not like a horrible singer, but he's not going to be – I read somewhere he's not gonna he's not gonna Aretha Franklin it right. I read somewhere that like he kind of realizes like he's limited vocally and he's more of a showman anyway. So to expect him like that last note, he's not gonna try to like bang that puppy out. So hit the under on that. I like heads on the prop bets, dude. All the prop bets, man. Let him let him ring. Tell us what you got. Oh, okay. Uh. <laughs> I heard I heard there was a Luke Bryan one about will he wear like blue jeans and cowboy boots or the field. Ooh. 
I don't know. Over, go over under on Donald Trump tweets, not related to the Super Bowl, but just on Super Bowl days, seven and a half. That's over. That's a way over. Because you're guaranteed is three or four morning tweets as is. You're guaranteed yeah. at least one Super Bowl tweet to congratulate the winning team. And if the Patriots lose, he's still going to tweet at the Patriots' good, good season. So right. it's way over on the Donald he'll, Trump 7 He'll probably get a couple of uh, Apprentice ratings uh, tweets up there, too. Yeah, prayers up to Arnold Schwarzenegger or something. Yeah, yeah. What do All you right, got? I, uh, I, I like the Patriots in this game, too, unfortunately. I wish I didn't. I think it's going to be probably close to like a 34-31 game or something like that. I think the Falcons will be able to score with them. I really do. I just, I don't know. I, I don't bet against the Patriots. I, I don't know how... They're just so good, and uh, they were they were fantastic this year. Not to take away anything from the Falcons, but you know, even from day one when Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo was quarterback in this team, they just looked to be head and shoulders above everybody else. And you know, there's nothing that's taken away from them. They've gotten stronger over time. Yeah, I, I like the Patriots in this game. Unfortunately, nice. We're in consensus. Yes, we are. All right, Joe. Let's move on then from the Super Bowl, and we have another football story that I huge story. Big story. We had a big retirement in the NFL. I don't remember if it was yesterday or the day before. I think it was yesterday. And that's Indianapolis Colts punter, Pat McAfee, who I believe is only 29 years old. He's only been in the league since 2009. Yeah, he's 29 years old. Pat McAfee retired from the NFL yesterday, Joe. But perhaps more surprising than that, he already announced what he's going to be doing post-playing days. He's joining the team at Barstool Sports. What, was your, what were your thoughts when you saw this, Joe? Well, my my gut reaction was, I believe he's leaving two and a half million on the table or something. But then I I read that like he has like super bad legs, like his knees are. He's rough had shape. three surgeries on his knees over the last four years. Yeah, and then like I started to think about like, man, being a punter or kicker in the NFL probably stinks because nobody really likes you and you're not really a part of the team. It's probably lonely. Um, then I also found out that Pat McAfee um, likes to be creative. So, like, it all made sense. He probably already, like, like he's not super rich, but he made enough money where he could do something like this. And if he wants to be a creative, like, me and you work in a creative field, it's really fun to be creative. And it's and it's uh, rewarding, and it's all these other things that probably punting wasn't for Pat McAfee because all you're doing is kicking the football. So I actually, I get, I get it more now after finding out more about him. And, uh, like, I, I'm not a barstool guy. But if that's what he thinks fits him well, then I think that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the more surprising thing to me, obviously we're seeing guys retire at young ages, you know, every single offseason. Sure, he's a punter. He's not exactly a guy who's at risk for getting his head bashed in. But, you know, you have a, you have a body outside of your head, and it's okay to retire if your body is starting to feel worn down, of course. But really, again, the surprising thing to me was that he's kind of getting into sports media and – you know, Barstool's got a show on Comedy Central now, so it's not like they're just like this, you know, rinky-dink website that a couple of sleazeball dudes are into. I think they've tried to work on their branding a little bit to to appeal to, you know, more of a general audience than just, you know, making sexist jokes and stuff like that. I mean, I think that that's still kind of their bread and butter. Uh, actually, I know a couple of people that work at Barstool that I find to be pretty funny and aren't, you know, just offensive, shticky kind of humor guys. So I, I think that they've kind of... Uh, improved their brand a little bit more recently. And I think adding a Pat McAfee helps. Uh, I, I think he's pretty funny. He's been doing stand-up in the Indianapolis area. One of the more interesting things I thought came out of this story, though, was Barstool apparently offered him a, a job in their main office headquarters in Manhattan, and he turned it down, and instead they said, 
you know, then we'll build a hub in Indianapolis and we'll we'll make something happen there. And that was kind of one of the things that he kind of sold as a reason for him to accept this offer is that he could bring more attention to, to Indianapolis and he can, you know, kind of make jobs for people there and help the create the creativity scene over there and the sports media scene over there a little bit. I, I think it's pretty cool. And again, Joe, I say this every show seemingly, you and I like to delve into sports media and how it's growing and, you know, where it comes from. And I think it's pretty cool that you're getting somebody like McAfee, who, yeah, he was just a punter, but he's one of the more animated characters in the NFL still, which says a lot considering, you know, his role, but he's a guy who dances on the field a lot. I think it was, no, was, was he the guy that took that kick in the face from Antonio Brown? No, that, that was, that was a Bengals punter, but I, I saw he had some back and forth with Antonio Brown on his retirement. He's well regarded around the league. I mean, I, I think in his second year in the NFL, he, got in trouble for getting drunk and dry, or no, I'm not driving, but swimming in like an Indianapolis canal or something like that. He thought his career was going to end. I'm not, I'm not saying this is a lovable thing about him, but he kind of learned from it. And he's, he's a big personality guy. So I, I think it's interesting that he's going to get into the sports media field in an unconventional way, kind of working with more of a humorous outlet. Yeah. I think, I think what the thing, I think what he'd like to do with it, think for people to think of it is not as, Oh, former punter trying this. I think he'd like, because I think like a lot of people don't realize sometimes you're really good at stuff that you really don't care for. Like, I'm sure he didn't grow up dreaming of being a punter. Do you know what I mean? And he's clearly passionate about comedy and um, being creative. So this is probably what he always wanted to do. And uh, I say good, like, you know, he now has the money to take this risk, so it's a it's a relatively small one. His bar is still successful, like you mentioned. So uh, good for him. For sure. All right, Joe, let's get Seal on the horn, and let's play some That Don't Look Good music. Seal, make your money. It might not be your fault, but maybe it is. Yeah, it's something good. That don't look Alright, so our That Don't Look Good today comes from a report that came out yesterday. Uh, the article was published on Vocative.com and was written by Robert Silverman, who I'm familiar with because he's a local Knicks fan, and uh, he's actually a very good writer. He writes a lot about, you know, kind of political aspects to sports and, you know, more of the, the social aspect to sports as well, less analysis of games and, and more about the guys off the off the court and off the field. And what he wrote about yesterday was about the NBA uh, rookie transition program, and really kind of the advice that comes out of that towards these young men who are just getting into the league. And uh, the main story that came out that's going to be the basis of our that don't look good is that these players are being taught ways to prevent being extorted from women who they meet and have sexual relations with. Uh, The main story that came out of this, which you and I have been talking about since since we read this, was about how, and this came out in the Derrick Rose uh, civil trial over the summer, how NBA players, after having intercourse, are told to take their condoms with them, to not allow the woman who they're having intercourse with to have access to the condom, out of fear that they'll use the semen to try and impregnate themselves at a later date. Uh, A turkey baster was actually brought up in the story, that they use turkey basters to get the semen from the condoms and to impregnate themselves so that they have cases against these players to, you know, extort them. 
Joe, what did you think when you read this report other than is that scientifically possible? Well, that was my biggest thing was is that scientifically possible? Um, I'm assuming this there must have been instances of that happening that they thought that is something that should be taught. Um, my mind's blown still a lot about this. I NBA players are always going to be targets of extortion. I just find it weird that they have to be taught about it. But if there is instances of people going, because that's above and beyond, um, doing something like that, I guess you kind of have to be like, hey, just so you know, it's not just about a girl trying to marry you. It's a woman possibly trying to use a turkey baster while you're gone to get pregnant. So, like, I don't really know how to feel about this. I don't. Like, I don't know. I feel like, you know, like, man, like, it just seems weird. Like, I don't know. Say something. <laughs> I, I don't know either. I mean, it's it's terrible. I Here's the thing. Like, you read it and you're like, man, they're making these players paranoid and putting these terrible thoughts in their head that, you know, how, how frequently does this happen that this is something that these players have to worry about? At the same time, I mean, I don't know that it's fair to say it's unrealistic to have this kind of concern. I think this happens with a lot of people who have, you know, fame and have money is that there are people out there that are looking to exploit you and are only interested in you, only interested in you for your money. At the same time, you know, I don't know that that should only be, you know, relegated to women. I don't know that it's fair to say that, you know, all women who are interested in you are only going to be interested in you for X, Y, and Z. It just, it was a little horrifying to read about, and I i just, like, it feels really sexist, and it brings me back to last summer with the whole Derrick Rose rape trial, where you had, you know, basketball fans, not, you know, objective people, but you had basketball fans who, you know, wanted, wanted personal information to come out about the Jane Doe in that case, and wanted to exploit her, and wanted to label her, you know, someone who was money-hungry and after a money grab, even though there was a lot of evidence on the table about you know, Rose not understanding the ramifications of, of his actions, not understanding some of the important language that has to do with his case, not understanding, you know, the, this person and also evidence that, you know, she had refused to have group sex multiple times. Obviously, it's, it's not fair to draw everything to this one case, but it's, it's there's, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a wild thing that NBA players have to deal with for sure, but at the same time, it, it feels weird kind of, it doesn't necessarily feel weird. It feels kind of gross having to teach them this and tell them, like, this is going to happen to you. Make sure it doesn't happen to you. It just it feels it feels weird, and it feels weird that you're putting these thoughts in their head. But at the same time, I mean, they're, they're really young guys. I mean, you have guys who are 19 years old coming into the NBA, you know, who haven't been away from their parents before. And now they, they have to learn that there's stuff out there that you might be naive to, but this could feasibly happen. So... Prepare for the worst and hope for the best. I guess I, I don't know. I don't. I didn't really know how to react to this, other than wow, that's crazy that this is something that's happening. Right. Like I didn't go as far as you did to make it. Like I don't think they. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think they were wet blanketing <laughs> all women as evil or whatever. I think they were just. I think uh, they were just trying to prepare them for what kind of pitfalls might await with their new fame and fortune. Um. But even with that being said, like, it does feel, seem really, really weird. And uh, I'm just assuming some of this has to be rooted in something that happened at least once 
because that's a really specific example of something that could happen. And uh, yeah, my mind is boggled. Yeah, a little bit. And it just, it also feels weird. I mean, I know that this is what was reported because this was probably, you know, the most baffling thing that, that came out of the report, but it also feels weird to, you know, kind of have this be a headline when you know that there are basketball players who are traveling from town to town that have, you know, multiple baby mamas around the country. Like, you know, Dwight Howard has a ton of kids and, you know, even going back, I'm only using examples of players that I know that this is true to, you know, Sean Kemp had a lot of different children with a lot of different mothers. And it, like you we're hearing more about like this. You might find a woman who's going to find your semen and keep your semen and and exploit you, but not like, uh, hey, so, you know, maybe just don't go around from town to town having unprotected sex with women. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, that's not really relevant. I mean, are you well, are, relevant are, are, to what? We're, we're going to tell people they're not allowed to have sex? No, I didn't say don't have sex. I said don't have unprotected sex. I mean, I th- what I'm saying is, you know, you have people who are being irresponsible. In well, I, of- I'm, I'm sure they've been taught, like, hey, if you're going to have sex, use a condom. It's just some guys don't do it. Right. Yeah, that, that's a no-brainer, obviously. That, that's the case. What I'm saying, though, is it just it feels weird that, like... You want this to be bigger stories that Dwight Howard has kids all over the country. No, I, I don't want it to be a bigger story. I just, I feel like you're looking at this thing and saying, well, this is a big problem. This is what happens to you. Don't let this happen to you. Also, you know, maybe don't let this happen to you as well, which is more putting the fault on the athlete than the woman is kind of just what I'm saying here. Well, I'm I'm going to assume they've, they've taught them about using condoms. I'm going to assume so, too. Like I said, that's not the juicier story of what came out from the the rookie transition program. The juicier story is that they're being taught, you know, the, these things about taking your condoms with you and making sure you're disposing the condom and that you see it in a garbage that you know cannot be accessed by somebody else. Either way, it made me feel weird to read about. I know it did the same to you. Yeah, when you sent me the link, I was... I think my response was just like, what? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Well, Joe, the next thing I want to talk about is probably another thing that probably made you respond all kinds of weird. And this isn't really a that don't look good unless it's a that don't look good for you, Joe Nardone. The Washington Wizards are the hottest team in the NBA. You trashed Bradley Beal earlier in the season, before the season. You made it very clear you think he's overrated and not a good player. He's having a terrific season. The team's got six wins in a row. They've won 13 of their last 15 games. I believe they have 15 straight home wins as well as they're propelling up the Eastern Conference. Joe, you got anything you want to say about the Wizards or Bradley Beal? Oh, well, I mean, Bradley Beal's having a good season. Doesn't change that he wasn't having good seasons prior to that. You said he stinks, Joe. Does he stink? Does Bradley Beal stink still? Not so far through this. Well, listen, man, he's only 23, so I'm not going to say like he couldn't have gotten better. So, yeah, he's gotten better, so he no longer stinks. It doesn't mean he's great. I didn't say he's great. I'm just asking you if he's He's good. He's shooting 47% from the field, 39% from tree. Still doesn't really do anything else other than score, though. He has a plus 16.4 on-off for this team, which I believe is the best on the team. Him and John Wall are getting along better than ever. Well, that's because his replacement's Larry Stinky McPants. Who's Larry Stinky McBands? You know, Larry McStinky McBands. Sure. The, the Wizards are one of the hottest teams in the East, Joe. I just wanted to make you feel stupid for a second. Got anybody I've been wrong on that you want to return the favor to me for? Sure, Nick Stoskis. I did not say Nick Stoskis. Who actually good. had a pretty decent season? Has he? I have not paid any <laughs> well, like, listen, like, Well, here's the weird thing, right? So, like, when expectations are super low, like, when they reach that level, 
when somebody starts playing competent, then people are like, is he figuring it out at the age of 25? But right. uh, yeah, he's been he's been competent this year, as opposed to incompetent years before. Um, guys, you've been wrong about. I don't think we it's don't a have- big deal. I think my favorite thing I have ever been right about is Thomas Robinson. And yeah, everybody I, else I is wrong. Every, everybody else is wrong on that. I was like, listen, it took him four years to be a good player at Kansas, and he's an undersized power forward. Then I remember in the summer league, like he looked awful, and uh, like he's kind of become like a nice high energy, can play like seven minutes a game type of guy, I guess. But like he should be in the discussions of bust that everybody, like everybody, was wrong on. Yeah, I, I actually had that too. I wasn't very big on Thomas Robinson. To get back to the Wizards, though, Joe. How, how good do you? No, think let's keep bashing is? Thomas Robinson. No, I don't want to do that. How good do you think this team is? Do you think that they're kind of getting to a place where they're as good as maybe the Raptors and the Celtics, maybe better than those teams, or do you think it's kind of still just you know the top three teams in the East and everybody else? As we're having this conversation, Washington is a half a game out of the three seed behind Toronto. Uh, I think it's still the three teams and everybody else. I'm not ready just because they're on a winning streak. To go, yeah, they are awesome. Some of the teams they beat were like the Sixers, the Trailblazers, the Knicks. The Sixers are good. Are they actually good? They they are. The last I looked, they were ten and five in January. So at worst, they're having a good month. It doesn't make them good. Like I think we, yep. I think the, the one of the best things, not the best things, one of the stupidest things we ever do is awesome. we we use. A sample size to say Team X and Team whatever is good. Joel, Joel and Beetle didn't play that game also. Gotcha. All right. So, so that, that win shouldn't count as much. Well, I'm just saying, like, I'm not going to, like, do I think Washington's a pretty good team? Yeah. I'm not going to use a six or seven game winning streak to be like, yep, they're as good as these other teams that have been good for two years. That's fair. Well, the, the only reason that I am willing to kind of maybe put them closer to those teams than say, no, they're not. It's because this team took a step back last year, and we were all disappointed that they did because it looked like they were on their way to becoming one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. I mean, they had this young core, and we were waiting for Otto Porter to, to develop. We were waiting for Bradley Beal to develop. We were waiting for their big guys to, to play good basketball. And this year, it just it looks like it's all coming together for them. It looks like it's all coming together under Scott Brooks, who deserves a lot of credit for making yes. them better than they were last season. For Otto a man Porter, who can't coach, he's doing a hell of a job. Yeah, he, he could definitely coach, and he got a bad rap in Oklahoma City, even though he had, you know, 50-win season after 50-win season. But it's just it's, it's all coming together for them, so that's kind of why I'm, you know, I'm less bullish on them, and I'm less inclined to say it's just a small sample. It's just what they've done recently. It's just against the Knicks. They, they've had a really good month, and they, they really, they're trending in the right direction, I think, at a good time. I, again, I, I don't know that they're as good as these teams ahead of them, but I think that it, it's fair to put them in the conversation especially with Toronto and Boston falling off a little bit this month. And obviously Cleveland has too. I mean, I don't think anybody's worried that Cleveland's going to be there come May, June. Obviously, I think they're still, you know, favorites in the East by a lot. But I, I think Washington, you know, has really done a good job getting into that conversation. Then they could be a team that, that finds themselves in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, no. Okie doke. All right, Joe, let's, let's move on. Let's end the show with our AMAs. Seal, get to it. Ask me anything and Jared will answer. But do 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 ask me a question, Twitter.
da, 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 da. I love that one. That's my favorite. <laughs> All right, Joe. Our first question today. Somehow, we've been podcasting for almost a year. Actually, Monday is our one-year anniversary. Is it? Yeah, oh, our first show. <laughs> oh, Jared died. Yeah, there it is. I, I spoke too soon about our anniversary. Our first show was after Super Bowl 50, so our one-year anniversary will be Monday. What are you getting me for our anniversary? Just kidding. Uh, just kidding. Just kidding. Don't make it weird. Our first question, I can't believe we've been doing the show for a year and we haven't discussed this. At least I don't think we have. We probably have, and I just have a bad memory. First question is from at Maggio NBA. Is a hot dog a sandwich? I feel like we've never discussed this on Twitter.com. Obviously, that's tongue-in-cheek. Joe, have we discussed this? And even if we have, what do you think? Is a hot dog a sandwich? I hate this. Wow. I mean, it's not like we prepare for a show and you could have said this in the past. No, I want to rail against this question. I think these are all really stupid. Like, I understand Maggio NBA's frustration with it because these are stupid things that people do on Twitter, and it's run its course. Wow, Joe, putting your foot down about the hot dog sandwich time. It has. Like, listen, man, this stuff was three years ago was on Twitter. It's not funny anymore. Oh, my God. And nobody actually cares if it's a sandwich or not. Like, I never go, I'm in the mood for a sandwich. Oh, can't have a hot dog because it might not be a sandwich. Shut up. You love hot dogs, though. I'm really upset that this is your stance on this. Whatever you want to be could be a sandwich. I don't care. If you think a hot dog is a sandwich, great. If you don't, even better. I don't care. You want to know why? Because when I eat a hot dog, I don't think about what it is. Because when you start thinking about what a hot dog is, you'll never eat one again. Yeah, obviously. But but still, I mean, I think it's fair to want to classify your food and obviously No, I don't have... like to put I don't like I don't like to put tags on things. That's why we have this travel ban. Wow. All right. It you starts with a hot dog is a sandwich and then it ends up being a Muslim ban. Okay. That's how it starts. I blame twitter.com for this. All right, man. All right. I do think a hot dog is a sandwich, so I guess we should move on. Fair enough. At Gregory the Greek, I'm going to assume he has Greek origins. I believe it's Georgie, my friend. Georgie. Whatever. Rank your top three types of cheesecake. And do you put my, my foot stuck underneath my table and it hurts. And do you prefer fruit, <laughs> fruit cheesecakes or sweet cheesecakes, chocolate, caramel, peanut butter, etc.? Time out. Did you get out yet? Yeah, or? I'm free. Sounds like a dog I, it really, it I, was, I was putting my leg resting on another chair. I didn't have a lot of movement, and I was like, man, I'm stuck. Uh, it, it hurt a lot. I was, like, trying to read through it, and I couldn't. I, st- I was like, I think I'm shaking my table now, and everybody can hear it, so I better just let it be known that that's what was happening. At least you have somebody, like, on the line with you. If you would have got stuck, we would have been able to get you saved there, buddy. So, wow, interesting. All right, so to answer the question, so I'm going to answer the second part of the question first. I prefer sweet cheesecakes over fruit cheesecakes. I'm not going to have one fruit cheesecake in my top three types of cheesecake. Also, I'm glad that this question was asked because who the hell doesn't like cheesecake? Uh, my top three cheesecakes are probably Oreo cheesecake, peanut butter cheesecake, and I didn't really have a third cheesecake. Do you, what are your three cheesecakes? i, I got to be honest, and people aren't going to like me for this. I've you don't never, like cheesecake? I know. I've never had cheesecake. You've never had cheesecake in your entire life? Correct. I've never had – I've never – had the opportunity. It was never at like a party to try, and I've never had the urge to try it, so I've never gone out and bought it. So I've never had a cheesecake. I'm baffled. Like that. I, 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 I know it's. I just burped. Excuse me. 
You did. Uh, I, I know it's a weird thing to say that you never had cheesecake, but I never, I never had a cheesecake. So I, 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 mean, I, I apologize for the loyal cheesecake. I'm sure cheesecake is great. And maybe this weekend, maybe this will inspire me to go to the cheesecake store. You should. Do you guys have like cheesecake factory by you? Have you ever been to a cheesecake factory? No, I don't, and I don't know where one is. I, I'm assuming I could go to a normal grocery store to get cheesecake, though. Correct? You cer- you certainly could. They do sell cheesecake at the grocery store. Yeah, so maybe I'll, I'll I'll ask my family if they want to try some cheesecake because I've never even seen a cheesecake. I can't tell you what they look like. Wow. All right, my third favorite cheesecake is brownie cheesecake, and that inspires me to tell you if you don't find cheesecake. Ben and Jerry's makes like a brownie cheesecake flavor, and it's dynamite. It's terrific. Maybe that's a good way to transition yourself into cheesecake. All right, yeah. Maybe I'll, I'll listen. I'm not against trying new things, so I'll, maybe I'll give it a go this weekend, the Super Bowl Sunday. Maybe that'll be one of the um, because I'm going to cook for it, and maybe nice. the, maybe that'll be one of the things that uh, like one of the snacks, the desserts. You know what I mean? That's so, a great call. Have you ever had like a cheese Danish or anything? <laughs> Maybe. I can't recall, to be honest. I, I feel like whatever answer I give, it'd be inaccurate because I know I'm a pretty big fan of Danishes. So I've blindly eaten a bunch in the past, like not really looked at what kind of Danish it is. I just jammed it in my mouth. So there's a possibility of a cheese Danish making its way into my mouth. Giggity. All right, man. That's cool. I yeah, neither you- can confirm nor deny it. Well, you should try cheesecake. It's good. Cheese Danish is also good. I mean, it's it's cream cheese filling, essentially. It's like a, a sweeter cream cheese. Ooh. So if you like, do you not like cream cheese? Not a huge cream. Like, I don't hate it. Not Cream cheese in certain situations, I guess. I'm a super picky eater. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a hot sauce guy. I'm a pasta yeah. guy. I'm a pizza guy. I like greasy foods. I'm not a big dessert guy. So... Like any kind of cakes, like I'm not a cupcakes, anything like that. Even ice cream, like low key ice cream, like I have to be in the mood. So donuts, I have to be in the mood now with donuts. If I'm in the mood, man, a dozen of those donuts, they'll be gone in a day. I know that's super unhealthy for you, but like I have to be in the mood for like a dessertish type food. And a donut, by the way, is a dessert. It's not a meal. Interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't say a donut's a meal either. I mean, I'll have a donut for breakfast every now and then, but uh, yeah. All right, good stuff. Try cheesecake, man. It's good. I, I'll, I'll, I'll ask the wifey, and if she says yeah, we'll get it for the Super Bowl. Had to, like, do you know if she's had cheesecake? She doesn't like. She never has cheesecake around the house. You guys don't ever get it for like dessert if you go out to eat or anything like that. No, never. I'm, I'm listen. We've been together a long time now, and no, I'm. I'll ask her, and I'll report on Monday. That'll be my investigative journalism for the weekend. Is I'll find out my wife's history with cheesecake. Well, I know what my absurd question is going to be for Monday. So, did awesome. you try cheesecake? <laughs> <laughs> absurd questions. Yeah, that's a real rough one. All right, we're going to end the show with our last question from at fourteen team mocker, friend of the show, great fantasy football analyst. Great advice from that guy. Follow him. Why do we even need corned beef? Roast beef and pastrami cover everything. I don't disagree, Joe. What do you think? Um, that's an excellent point. I don't know why do we like this is seriously a. Do you have an explanation? Because I don't. I I don't. I honestly don't. And to be completely honest with you, I usually can't tell the difference between corned beef and pastrami. I mean, like, I if you were to if you were to give me both, like both on a fork, and be like, which is which, I'd probably be able to tell you because I think pastrami is a little bit drier. But yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point. If you were to put pastrami, corned beef, and roast beef on a plate and say one got to go, I would say corned beef got to go. So I think it's a really good point. Are you a big corned beef guy, Joe? No, no, pastrami I like. Um, roast beef's okay. 
Um, corned beef. I no, like if like you were saying, if they're on the plate, that's probably the one. If I'm making multiple sandwiches, if there's like a uh, cold cut platter type of deal going on, that's probably the one I'm avoiding. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fine. There's nothing wrong. Yeah, with it. it's like ham. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it, but nobody looks forward to it. Did you say that about ham? No one looks forward to ham. Well, there's a reason why people say a ham sandwich, like that saying about a ham sandwich, because it's kind of dull. What's more dull, a ham sandwich or a turkey sandwich? I like turkey sandwiches. Really? I think turkey's like I a had, dull. I had one last night. Well, I think, well, then, like, it depends on your flair. Like, so I had a turkey sandwich last night with mayonnaise, uh, lettuce, tomato, turkey, toasted the bun. It was really delicious. Right. I mean, like, all sandwiches come down to that, of course. Yeah, so, I mean, I think I think it's a preference-based thing. I'm not going to hate you if you prefer roast beef or corned beef or whatever over turkey. Um, I don't think turkey's my favorite. I don't even know. What's your favorite cold cut? That's a tough question, man. Um, yeah, I was just thinking, it's popped in my mind now, and I'm like, man, that's a tough one. As a child, oddly, it was bologna, until I yes. realized bologna is trash. You ever tried to eat bologna as an adult? Uh, no, I really haven't. I mean, every don't, now don't just because it's, it's whatever you remember about it is wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I like love bologna. I want to say up to like age seven, and then hadn't had it until like age twenty eight or something, and was like, oh, bologna, I missed you. And then I was like, eh, now I know why I haven't had you. In 20 years. <laughs> right, right. Um, Bologna's the great big mystery trick of the world that you can only love it as a child, and if you're an adult and you eat it regularly, you're probably a serial killer. Probably, yeah. Bologna was one of my first favorite foods. I was really picky as a kid. So, like, bologna was one of, like, my lunch staples. I didn't even like sandwiches. I just, like, rolled up cold cuts. So I would – Yeah. Would bologna in a Ziploc bag for lunch, and I'd be like, dope. I love this. Yeah. Um, but my favorite cold cut is probably – I really like honey maple turkey. That, Ooh, that's I never had it. Buffalo blazed chicken is also a very yes. good cold cut. Uh, roast beef is great, too. If I were to just get, like, one cold cut on Capicola? a sandwich – Capicola? I'm not a big Capicola guy. Oh, I, I like Capicola. Prefer uh, hard salami over Capicola. I could see it. I like Capicola more, but I could see it. Yeah. Yeah. Is, pep- it, it, is, is slight pepperoni considered a cold cut or just a topping? Definitely a cold cut. Definitely a cold cut. I'm glad you asked. I was thinking about asking too. My so my dad used to make me like crazy sandwiches when I was a kid. I didn't eat lunch. I just I never <laughs> like I didn't like to eat during the day. So like my friends would all like fight over my sandwiches, and my dad would throw like. Turkey, pepperoni, and like ham on like a bagel or something, and all my friends would be like, "Yo, Jared, you're crazy. How do you not eat this?" And I'd be like, "I just can't. I don't want to eat. I don't want to have to poop in school, so I'm not going to eat." Right <laughs> that's, that's There's nothing worse than having to poop in school, dude. I went until my junior year of high school. I never, ever, ever pooped in school. And my high school, God, this was the worst. We didn't have toilet paper in the bathrooms. We didn't have doors on the stalls in the bathrooms. I went to Dangerous Minds High School for what it's worth. So, like, yeah, I just couldn't hold it one day. I had to. Oh, man. I don't think I've ever pooped in school. God bless, man. Hey, listen. By design. By design. Like, it was early on. I was like, this is never going to be a thing I'm going to do in school. Because you walk out, you smell like poop. Everybody's like, oh, he's been gone for 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. If you're gone longer than, like, three minutes, everybody's like, dude's dropping a deucer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I here's the thing. The older I get, the less I care about that stuff. Like, oh, I now I'll drop it anywhere. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, I have some friends who are like, yeah, I go to ballparks so I could drop a deuce at a ballpark and be like, checklist. I, I take it a dump at every stadium in the world. And I'm like, God, that's disgusting. But, like, if I have to now, I will. You know what yeah, I mean? it's I not like on my bucket list to go drop deuces at, like, TGA Fridays. But if I'm there and the feeling hits me, I'll go do it. Not to mention bathroom, public bathroom quality 
has dramatically improved from the time I was a child to now. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's like a Scranton thing. For me, I would still say two out of every four public toilets that I visit have piss all over them. Ooh, so, so you're yeah. still at 50-50. I'm going to say, like, we're shooting about 70-some percent here, where you're you're far more likely to find a clean bathroom than a dirty one. Good things, man. Scranton and obviously was- it depends on the, the place. Like, if you're going to a chain restaurant, it's going to be clean. If you're going to a family-owned restaurant here, the odds are still a little bit iffier, but you should know going in, don't poop at a family-owned restaurant. There it is, guys. That's your great advice for the day. We want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, you know who I am, and you can follow me on Twitter at Hoops. Joe, tell the good people where they can follow you. Uh, FanRagSports.com. You can follow me on the Mean Streets of Twitter at Joseph Nardone, N-A-R-D-O-N-E. And uh, my phone just made a noise. It sure did. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Skiddly Doobop. Thank you guys so much for listening again. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Joe, enjoy your cheesecake. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. All around me are familiar websites. Worn out clickbait. Worn out hotcakes. Bright and early for the daily link dumps. No one's clicking. No one's clicking. Their pupils are filling up their pockets. But not for writers. Not for writers. Hide my head, I want to do a slideshow. No tomorrow. No tomorrow. And I find it kind of funny. I find it kind of sad. The internet in which I'm worthless is the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you. I find it too hot to take. When people blog in circles, it's a very, very mad world. Mad world.